Hi folks, welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again. Great to have you with us today. Glad you could join us. Today we're going to revisit a topic that we've discussed here in the past when we had Paul Feinberg of Modern Guesthouse Living in Tokyo on the show. And that's the subject of short-term stays, or more specifically, short-term stays of under one month, which in Japan fall under specific legislation called Minpaku. So as Paul was telling us, the new legislation being drafted was due to come into effect on June 15th this year, which is just nine days away at the time of this recording. Probably a good time to revisit the subject now that all the fine print on this new law has been revealed and see what it actually means for landlords. So just to clarify, people normally talk about Airbnb specifically, since that is the most popular platform advertising these short-term lease properties, especially for English speakers. But the legislation isn't specific to Airbnb or to any other particular platform. Rather, these are new laws that cover anyone who may be leasing out their properties for periods shorter than one month, regardless of which platform they advertise on or which platform they use to manage their booking with. So what does this new law actually say and why is it such a big deal? Airbnb have just removed 80% of their Japanese listings as a result of this. So obviously the most immediate and noticeable effect is that many short-term stay operators seem to be going out of business or at least going out of doing business legally. So why is this happening? Well, firstly, and perhaps most importantly, the new law allows local municipalities to regulate short-term stay in their areas on their own terms. This means that in effect, in a country that avoids confrontation at all costs as a rule, and where the fear of change or anything different is very much embedded into the notion national psyche, it's quite likely that the vast majority of local municipalities will make life very difficult for short-term stay operators, and they might ban the practice altogether. The reason behind this is that most local residents in Japan try to avoid contact with anyone out of their immediate circle as a rule, let alone someone as frightening and alien as, as foreign tourists. And foreign tourists do tend to make up a large percentage of the short-term stay guest clientele naturally. Add to that the inconvenience that sometimes come with these guests. They don't always follow the rubbish disposal rules to the letter. They can be noisier than your typical Japanese neighbor. Um, they could go in and out of properties at late hours of the night and so forth. So the prospects for short-term stay operators isn't great to say the least. Local municipalities and neighborhood associations would want to avoid these conflicts with guests, with landlords or with other neighbors at all costs. And they would most likely petition their local municipalities if they haven't done so already to simply ban the practice whenever possible. There could be exceptions to this rule. So places that depend on tourism for survival, such as the ski slopes of Niseko in Hokkaido, which also have a large percentage of uh, foreigner management in uh, City Hall and other local businesses. Uh, maybe even Sapporo City itself, for which tourism is one of the main industries. But generally, it's expected that the vast majority of local municipalities will place severe restrictions on the practice as indeed quite a few of them have already announced. So this is going to happen. Secondly, the new legislation has placed a nationwide cap on the number of days a property can be leased out short-term annually. 180 days or half the year. This will also cut down on operators' income significantly, and many of the professional companies and landlords who have made a full-time business of short-term leasing have already abandoned their business model as a result. 
Other more reasonable sections of the new law um, require operators to register with local government offices to conduct periodical fire safety checks, as well as undergo mental health checks. So far, fair enough, as none of us would want to stay in places that can't comply with these simple requirements in any case, uh, we would hope. Another existing restriction that has already been a thorn in the side of many operators, as we have discussed here previously, was for owners of apartments in co-owned buildings. In these cases, building management of, or the owner's co-op was always free to disallow short-term leases in any case, which most of them have done, um, which anyway made the practice impossible unless the landlords own the entire structure, such as a house or an entire apartment building. On the upside, the government, which does recognize Japan's lack of affordable accommodation options, especially in Tokyo, and especially in light of the up-and-coming 2020 Olympics, has made it easier for owners of houses and buildings to apply for a hotel license back in 2016 by relaxing some of the requirements, such as a need for a reception desk. And thereby, they've made it clear to any operators who do want to comply with legislation on a larger scale and who can comply with the checks and the regulations required of serious accommodation business owners that they're welcome to do so. So in consideration of everything we've mentioned so far, and assuming that we don't have a property that would qualify as a hotel, which by the way doesn't have to be that big, the legislation for hotels starts at only five guest rooms to accommodate the more traditional inns and the guest houses culture that Japan is so famous for. But assuming we only have a smaller house or apartment and we want to try to make a little bit more than just your standard long-term tenancy profit, what can we do? Well, fortunately, there is a very large market in Japan for medium-term tenancies, or more specifically, tenancies that are a month or longer, but shorter than a standard tenancy lease, which normally starts at at least one year. And this type of operation is called monthly mansion, and the people who use these services are normally longer holiday makers who are interested in renting out a place for a longer period of time, people who are in town on business for one reason or another, but for a limited project of up to a few months, or people who have just moved to a new city, are not too familiar with it just yet, um, cannot maybe get the guarantees required for a longer term lease, or simply just don't have the time or don't want to find a place, but they need furniture, appliances, and so forth. All of these types will happily pay higher fees than standard tenants, but they will require that furniture, appliances, and they'll also need an internet connection. Um, also, they'll need to be in close proximity to convenient public transport in most cases. The more central, the better. And as far as holiday uh, makers are concerned, there might also be demand, depending on location, for more resort-type areas near a beach or countryside, a bit further off the beaten path, but where bicycles are provided as part of the rental agreement. In that case, you might be able to get off with something that's a bit more distant to public transport. What this means for you as a landlord is that you'll have to furnish the place and install appliances, laundry machine, oven or microwave, preferably both, and television and so forth, put in some kitchen utensils and linen, and sign up for a contract with an internet service provider. Once you've done that, you simply hire a monthly mansion property manager. Most of your standard property managers will be happy to provide this service as well, and they would only charge you um, if and when the property is tenanted, and off you go. Really, the only recurring expense beyond the standard building fees uh, that you may be paying with the standard tenancies is the internet connection, which you will have to pay for monthly, even if you don't actually have a tenant in the property. 
but you can be creative with that one too by making it, for example, a mobile internet router, which gives you the option to offer mobile internet to your guests who can then take it with them on the road or to move it around between properties. If for some reason you decide to stop offering the monthly mansion service in one property, trial it in another, you just move the internet connection there. The same goes for furniture and appliances. If you've got more than one property, you can move stuff around. You can experiment with different setups and different properties and so forth. So really a bit more hands-on than your standard long-term leasing because even if you've got a good property manager that handles the advertising, the inquiries, check-ins, check-outs, cleaning, etc., you still need to review more frequent reports you still need to constantly monitor occupancy and performance, fine-tune, and there will be more maintenance and repair issues to attend to as well. But you do stand to make far higher profits. The only caveat is, depending on location and especially in areas that cater more to tourists, it may be seasonal profits. So not as stable or as reliable as the standard long-term leases where the same amount comes in regularly every month unless there's some sort of emergency. Okay, that's it from us today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope you weren't too badly affected by the new legislation, but if you have been, or if you stand to be affected by it when it comes in this month, hopefully you're a bit better informed now and you know what your options are. Do feel free to jump into the discussion, ask any question wherever you may have found this podcast, on YouTube, on our Facebook group, which is conveniently called Japan Real Estate. So you just go to the top of your Facebook feed and enter Japan Real Estate into the search box. You'll find us easily enough. Do share this content with your own networks or anyone who may find it interesting. And as always, if you've got a moment, we'd really appreciate if you could rate us as well. Leave us a rating on the iTunes store, on the Google Play store, or wherever you may have found us. Hope to have you with us next week. And until then, from all of us here at NTI, we wish you happy investing. <laughs> <laughs>